welcome to She Became Visible. I did a very quick intro today because I have the most, and I just have to tell you, I have the most amazing women as co-hosts today. And I want to give the Brit Vengers a little heads up that this little women's squad that we got going here, we might be giving you a run for your money because uh, it's about time we get a gang of women's voices out there in the world. And I think I might have found my gang, so be prepared. And the greatest thing is we are going to be recapping April General Conference 2023 that was just held last weekend. And I think it's really important. One of the things that I've noticed, and I'm not kidding you, the recaps that I've listened to between Nemo the Mormon and RFM, and um, I think it's Analyzing Mormonism. I can't remember her name. She's amazing. Um, they are they are so detail-oriented. I'm like, dang, are you guys like stenographers here? Are you taking shorthand? I mean, you've got these quotes and the whole bit. And uh, one of my co-hosts, Martine, her and I both agreed that, look, we're just generally watching. When they say general conference, we are generally watching, picking up things. But the thing that I think is the, the, the greatest thing about women and getting our reflection is I believe that we're going to, we internalize these messages. It isn't just the literal narrative that's being spoken. It is the internal message that I believe women have a the capacity and one of the gifts to feel what these messages are and then relate what our feelings were. And um, and I think there's just a sixth sense, a, an intuitiveness about these uh, about some of these talks that I think we can see through the narrative. And so that's what we're going to be doing today. Um, and just kind of talking about what we loved, what maybe made us kind of cringe a little bit. And, and so let me stop talking and bring on my amazing gifts. First of all, I have Lila Tuller there. Hello. Hey. And then all the way from Scotland, we have Jane. I love you. I love you too. It's so great to be here. And I have to tell you, Jane, someday, someday I'm getting over there. I just watched a YouTube yes. on Scotland. I've been watching a couple of how Scotland came to be in Edinburgh. And my great grandmother was from Edinburgh. So I'm like, okay, I got to go there. I got to go there. So you must. Yeah, we're going to be hanging. And then my favorite, Martine. And the reason I love Martine so much, Martine Smith, I'm so happy that you're here, is Martine and I are the same age, almost exactly the same age. And it's very rare to hear the voice of women over 60. There's a lot of uh, 40 and 50 year olds out there uh, deconstructing and, and talking about it. But Martine and I have so many things in common. I mean, we got married the same year. We had our babies the same year. And we both had the same prophets and general authorities. And we sat in, in, in meetings and listened to Ezra Taft Benson live. We listened to Spencer W. Kimball live. We listened to uh, Gordon B. Hinckley live. And we've experienced all that. And so I have such a, a, a fondness for Martine. And I'm so, I'm so glad she could be with us here today. I'm so. happy to be here. Mm -hmm. So thank you all. And we're all from Lila and Martine are both in Utah. Jane is in Scotland and, um, and, and I'm in Arizona. So look what, look what modern technology can do, right? So first of all, ladies, I don't think it would be, it would be fair for me not to introduce you by your 
appropriate names. So Sister Lila, what's your middle initial? Well, I didn't have one. Oh, um, of course so I not. Use my, I use my maiden name as my middle initial, mm -hmm. so it's R. So uh, Sister Lila R. Tuller and yes. um, a general authority's daughter. So she's, see, she's yeah. right up there. I'm sorry, ladies. The rest of us are just, you know, nothing. Oh, okay, Mar and Martine, what's your middle initial? D. Okay, so it's Sister Martine D. Smith, who is a genetically relative, no, well, her husband is related to the Smiths. Mm -hmm. And so there is a pedigree there. You you yeah. also, both of you two ladies could be on, on their ladder somewhere. I don't know why you've been passed over. And then Jane, what is your middle initial? It's E for Elizabeth. So, Ooh. and I have zero Mormon pedigree whatsoever. I'm a convert, so I like I'm I'm not even getting into the conference center. I'll I'll like be tucked into an overflow room possibly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. They'd be standing there with a uh huh. And uh, who again are you related to? Um, that would be a that would be a. Could you stand outside? Could you just move? Yeah, that would be <laughs> that would be what that is. So, Sister Jane E. Christy, e. Uh, Christy, Christy. Yes. Yeah. So there you go. And I uh, was not, I am also a convert. So I had a middle name. So yes, my middle name is Kathleen. Mm -hmm. uh, my mother tried to pull some Irish out of our heritage and do a, there was a song. I'll meet you again, Kathleen, some kind of a song about a dead person. But anyway, I'll, t I'll take you home again, Kathleen. Yes. yes. There she goes. <laughs> We is, at New Year we at uh, Scotland gets merry and those are the songs that we sing every year, longing for home when we're still in the living room, um, <laughs> and singing about women who died that we have no idea who they are. Yes, <laughs> I love it. I love that you know that song. Um, and then of course my first name Martine. Martine speaking French, and so the only time my name is pronounced when I went to Starbucks. Uh, was in France, oh. and and I, I gave them my name, and they knew exactly how to write. Although they did spell it with two e's, because that's the female that's the feminine form. Yeah, the feminine form. So there you go. But so, I just um, found somebody in my genealogy that I know. He was a cousin of my dad's, and he's a male, and his name is in all the records is spelled with is Renee spelled with two e's, and I'm so confused. But anyway. Oh, see, there you go. That's so crazy. Well, ladies, I I, I want to make the promise that this isn't going to be a John Dillon eight-hour podcast, but I am enjoying you guys so much. We might just sit and talk grocery recipes or something if we have to, because I'm loving this. This is yeah. great. But let's get to topic right away. I wanted to just start out with just each of you, if you could give what you think the general theme of conference was this weekend, and then generally give a um, just kind of a feeling of how conference went for you. So let's start out with Lila. Just tell us oh, about what you, what you think the theme was and then generally what your feeling was after consuming nine hours. Of okay. I have to admit, I did not watch the fifth, um, the session on Saturday night, the night okay. session. You didn't miss I anything. Didn't and I had to work all day Sunday, so I I had to watch afterwards and got home from work and fell asleep in the first session that I, I just was out. So then I had to rewatch it. Anyway, so I'm I'm struggling here. I would say just 
okay, there were a few themes, but I think one of them that I that kind of jumped out was mm -hmm. that um, we're supposed to be non-contentious yeah. and we're supposed to be, um, you know, uh, peacemakers. Mm -hmm. I felt like, I know, I know that was president Nelson's big message, but I felt like it kind of bled over into some of the other talks as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there was the ministering talk by gong. There was the, um, don't let, let discouragement overwhelm us um, that Cook had. And they're just, and then, you know, just a lot of that kind of, you know, brotherly love sort of stuff that I picked up on. Yeah, I agree. I, I think with any of that. Really. Yeah, I agree. So Jane, what, what did, what was your feeling? Um, so this conference, I think, I was I was really seeking some things. Um, so I, I'm still an engaged member of the church. I still there are things that I am looking to happen at conference that I I, mean, I know it's not really going to feed me. Um, the theme of conference I would say was um, a, a real brand spanking new focus on Palm Sunday. We are suddenly from out of nowhere aligning ourselves with the liturgical calendar that <clears throat> members of the church just don't really, we, we don't use it. Um, no. Now from, no, from nowhere we are doubling down on Palm Sunday because we are Christians and so we're aligning ourselves with this um, Christianity yeah. and um, amazingly even though it's Palm Sunday there was still not as much Jesus worship as there was Russell M. Nelson worship. Um, so that was really interesting. And yeah, the other big takeaway for, for me was the other big messaging that was coming through was about contention. Um, this, uh, I mean, maybe we'll, we can talk about it later on if we're going to maybe dive a little bit into Russell M. Nelson's talk, I think was the, was the big one of conference for me. Um, so when are the women going to speak? When am I going to hear from women? Um, we're all super aware of that. Um, and then what happens when a woman does speak? Is she going to break her hearts? So we had a good talk from uh, Sister Camille, the Relief Society General Presidency. I was hoping that what would happen is that as a result of all of the um, SEC scandal, the financial stuff... I thought we might hear a lot about humanitarian aid. And here is um, the Relief Society president, who you could really do a lot here. And it didn't really, she talked about relief, she talked about care, but it didn't really do anything. Um, but yeah, for, for me, my conference experience is, um, I'm looking for you to talk about abuse. I, I know that you're not going to say this, I feel like church members need to have this spelled out. Do not kill your family members. <laughs> I mean, it's awful, right? That, that this is how explicit you I just received a revelation. It. God has instructed you to not kill your family. Go on. Right. <laughs> so I'm looking for, I'm specifically looking for abuse messaging. This is something mm -hmm. that we focus a lot on in, on 21st century saints. Um, we will talk around abuse and interestingly contention gets picked up as being part of that uh, 
be used mm. conversation um so contention would be if, if people have to walk on eggshells around you if you are um freezing people out in conversations oh my goodness i mean you're not calling it abuse could you please call it abuse you're calling it contention mm. so this was really interesting my main conference uh problem thing was the sustaining of church officers yeah so for the first time I didn't sustain the prophet um, and I have always sustained the prophet. Um, I was devastated. So it wasn't for me, it wasn't so much about the fact that I voted opposed. My emotions really came up because I love you and I can't do this right now. And I, I was heartbroken. Um, so I needed him to heal. I needed him to be a prophet and uh, change my mind so mm. yeah the outpouring of support and love I had after sharing that experience I've had church members be so kind and so wonderful about it uh, who are friends but the ex-Mormon community specifically the post-Mormon community have just reached out in love because they get it they know how hard it is it has been incredible so that wow. was my big conference was a very emotional journey for me ah, that's interesting so so if I if I'm understanding what you're saying is the the still members maybe oh, didn't yeah. hear they didn't hear that message of contention but the ex-Mormons hear it because we experience it and they're reaching out and saying kind so things. what what i did was i had shared um a, a video I, I mean i was so not sure if i should do this or not mm -hmm. but i on the sunday i shared my experience of raising my hand to oppose um and i was really emotional Mm. Um, I, I was devastated. Um, so yeah, af after that, after that experience, when I'm expecting a lot of pushback, I'm expecting members to, you know, is, is this the thing that's going to, um, be because I, I manage um, to have friendships and uh, our podcast speaks to an audience right across the spectrum from mm. engaged um, leadership to ex-Mormons. We're in a pretty unique space. Um, and yeah, and, and when I shared it, oh my goodness, the outpouring of support from them for what I was going through. So conference, um, my experience has been, yeah, you're, you're all seeing all of this thing, but there's this little mini existential thing that's happening with me for my heart and you're all there. You're post-Mormons and that is incredible to me that you are ministering in this Christ-like way. Um, not judging, not saying, yeah, I told you so. Mm. Uh, yeah, the sustaining of the church officers was something that I knew was going to be tough. Um, uh, yeah, <clears throat> and it was an incredible wow. experience. Oh, that's Can amazing. I ask a question of you, Jane? Yeah. Were you um, attending then? You were attending in a building with other members? No. No, th this is the this is the crazy thing about it is I, I'm at home and I'm going to record this just for my just for my journey. I, I was mm. keeping it pre pretty personal because in a couple of weeks' time it's going to be my ward conference, um, and I, I, I you know had I don't know what I'm going to do. The tough thing is with the sustaining of church officers. I really get that in this in this space that we're in. How can someone stay engaged when 
my my child is suicidal because of the teachings of what you're affiliating with um how can you stay engaged when um there is what someone is perceiving as dishonesty i i realize that for me to have the privilege of sustaining and it's nothing yet has been a deal breaker um or has yeah. been enough for me to have to raise my hand. So I know this is, it can be really triggering. It can be really tough. Um, so yeah, so I, I was really thinking long and hard about how, is is this where I am? Oh my goodness, I'm there. And uh, should I wait and just see what happens during conference? Should I abstain? Um, we also saw we had um, someone in the audience who had recorded mm -hmm. themselves voting mm -hmm. opposed, which was really the red jacket. Yeah. The bright really, orange really jacket. Really that was so beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Um apparently someone in the choir had also voted yeah. opposed. Um, yeah. So yeah, pe people are people are doing it. And it's um what I'm loving is the, there is a conversation and acceptance and um you know people talking about bravery for doing it. Um I'm in my bedroom, no one <laughs> saw. And that was part of the reason why I thought, okay, I'm I'm gonna share this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna oh, let yeah. you all see. Um, yeah. and also I, I guess part of it is if I can ever be accused of you're just trying to, you know, cause problems, can't you just simmer down? Part of me wants people to know that this isn't easy. This is, yeah. you know, I, this is really hard stuff. I am heartbroken. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's it's been that that's that's been my conference story, regardless of what is being said from the pulpit. Right, right. That's amazing. That's beautiful, Martine. What did you experience? A lot of frustration, uh, <laughs> but. That's been going on for years. Although I usually watch all of conference, uh, including Saturday. Uh, so the themes, you know, the, I mean, yesterday morning, for example, Sunday morning, you know, three, two apostles and the president of the church spoke about contention. So that was, you know, that was definitely, you know, you know avoiding contention was definitely mm -hmm. a theme. Um, there was also, I thought, a lot of, um, oh, what do they call it now? I, I'm not even sure I recorded it, but in, in a number of talks about, yes, accessing the power of Jesus Christ. Mm. You know, through your covenants, you mm. access the power of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And I wrote a note to myself somewhere. I wish they would speak in language that I can understand uh, because I know about electrical power. Mm -hmm. I know how to turn it on, mm -hmm. but accessing the power of Jesus Christ to me is just extremely nebulous mm -hmm. and they never get down to, you know, telling you right. what, what you can expect. Right. And, yeah, how well you know how to do it is you know going to the temple, covenant path obviously. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I didn't make notes every time I heard it, but I heard it a whole lot. Yes, that's really something that runs through. Yeah, as a former Catholic, uh, uh, Palm 
Palm Sunday was, was funny. It got to be funny. I mean, I am certain that the term Palm Sunday has been, was repeated more in the last two days than yeah. the last 100 years in Germany. Yeah. yeah. I will do that search. No, I, I will. I will. I know you will. I know yeah. you will. Yeah. She will give us the results of that search. She will find out how many times it's been um, said. In the you know, during the, uh, so when I was chorister for 10 years and, and ward music chair, there are not a lot of Easter hymns in the hymn book. And I would always uh, choose one for Palm Sunday. We really don't have one for Palm right. Sunday. But I would always, and I had one counselor in the bishopric who was very sensitive. And the first time I did it, he came over and he said, Martine, you notice that it's Palm Sunday. And I mean, he's a Kimball, you know, born and raised in the church. Oh but it was something to him. It meant something to him. He said, yes, it's Palm Sunday. And like, we never celebrate it. But you like managed to sneak a hymn in there <laughs> to remind people that Easter is yeah. next week, but this week's is Palm Sunday. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and one thing I did like, let's see, I have two sets of notes, is that Gary Stevenson was the first, uh, um, Quorum of the Twelve, was the first speaker out of the gate Saturday. And he actually gave credit to our Christian cousins. Yeah. Or observing uh, Palm Sunday, and I, I gave him kudos for that. Yeah, I, I that was one of the first things that I noticed too was that we have a uh, we have a uh, general authority that is instructing us to maybe look at some other religions and see what they do. Maybe we can do that. And that was actually like what he said. He said something like. Um, uh, yeah, just look look to uh, look to other religions and mm -hmm. take some of those fun things that they do, and yeah. maybe you can start incorporating some of those fun things in your life, like Christmas, like like you know, look at all the things we do for Christmas, but look at all those fun things those other Christians do, and wouldn't that be fun? I mean, we could start doing like palm things, and and what a great idea in 2023, you yeah. know. Yeah. And, could could I ask you guys a question about that? So, I what what happens in in your your area and your country with Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday? Are they celebrated? Because here culturally, the schools all do things. There are holidays for it. People would tend to have. I mean, it's not in the scale of Christmas, but would tend to have an Easter meal together. I, is it not celebrated really mm -hmm. there? Okay, okay. Well, not secularly. I mean, not. Def I mean, Easter would be Easter bunnies and and, and you know because you have to separate church and state. Um, but and even even the the world. I mean, you're not going to go into Hobby Lobby and find palms, you know, to take home. You're going to find Easter bunny stuff or or or, or resurrection, especially in Hobby Lobby. You're going to find Christian crosses and stuff like that. But um, no, I, I don't, unless you're Catholic, um, or some of the other more fundamental religions, I don't think secularly you're going to see any kind of Palm Sunday, but in that, maybe part of the country too, Jane, I want maybe in the Bible belt, would you mm -hmm. find more of you were down in New Orleans, okay. you know, I don't know yeah. if there was more, I was just I in mean, Richmond. You know, yeah, I was, well, I was just in Virginia a couple of weeks ago, and it just because our son lives there. But you know, every time I go, I'm just amazed at uh, at the number of churches. 
you know, mm. how close together they are, just various denominations. Uh, so yeah, but but uh, Jane, you know, I mean, in the church, people do have a, an Easter dinner. I mean, you go get a ham, right? Yeah, ham well, traditional. for Easter, yeah. but nothing for Passover, not you know, or, or yeah. any of that. Yeah. Well, it, it's definitely more more you know it's celebrated in a secular way here. Um, so the restaurants yeah. are full on a Sunday, or people are having a meal together. It would be maybe chicken or lamb, um, mm. but also, uh, I mean, I, I. Tell me if this is true. You guys don't have chocolate Easter eggs, is that? Oh no, we, we do have chocolate Easter eggs. Oh, you do. Okay, okay. So, so that because I had I've been hearing it was more of a bunny thing rather than the egg thing. So, I mean, all of the kids um, are are taught in schools what the symbolism around that is, and um, yeah. So I, I was kind of a little bit like. Yeah, I don't think they teach not, that in the schools. Is that not a thing? So yeah, okay, um, that makes sense to me now. Interesting. I no. would say I would say in the schools they definitely do the egg thing, the bunny thing. They have art, you know, projects. I'm talking about elementary mm -hmm. school mainly. But yeah, it's very celebrated here, not palm. I've never seen anything even spoken about or nothing like you said, there's no palms anywhere in the stores. <laughs> nothing said about it really. Definitely Easter, but it, it's it's not always why we have Easter. It's right. more like, yeah, you know, just but, the fun. Yeah, but other churches do. In fact, yes, I have a friend that's uh, mm -hmm. that's doing a, a fellowship in Washington, D.C. right now. And she was at the National Cathedral yesterday. She's a former Mormon. For She was there for Palm Sunday. So, you know. Mm -hmm. See, I, I'm next next year when when conference and everything else doesn't fall on Palm Sunday. I want to go to another. There's a lot of churches yeah. around mm -hmm. us too. I want to go and see what they do for Palm mm -hmm. uh, Sunday because really the whole leading up to the crucifixion, probably. I mean, I know that the actual crucifixion is is the the atonement and what the LDS Church relishes more than the actual. Pass, you know, the the palm part where Jesus is going into Jerusalem, but really, isn't that the the that's such a more? I mean, the whole days of of of, of going into Jerusalem and eating the Last Supper and and praying in the garden and all of that stuff leading up to the death. But there's a lot of stuff before the death. And by the way, we can historically record all of the Passover things. We can't record the uh, resurrection because mm -hmm. that's just faith-based. Nobody can prove that there was a, an atonement or a, a resurrection. Well, you know, actually, what what you're saying, I think, is one of the the takeaways that I had about how um, they were talking about Palm Sunday. Um, there seemed to be not a huge amount of difference between how they would talk about Easter Sunday compared mm -hmm. to Palm Sunday. What what mm -hmm. was the uniqueness about that? Um, the fact that Palm Sunday wasn't so much about reflection, it was about celebration and action. And, mm. um, you know, the, the temple was being cleansed. It's it's activism. Mm -hmm. um, but no, it seemed to be, you know, we, we have to talk about everything with reverence. We're not used to celebration. Um, mm. it's, it's a weird one. Well, it is. It, I mean, everybody says that all of the holidays, Christmas, 
Easter, yeah. all, all of those things in the Mormon church is just so played down and so boring. And I'm, I have so many friends, even years ago, hundreds of years ago, uh, I would have friends that would go to a, a, a different church because they would have these, they'd be bringing off camels and live stuff to celebrate. And they'd have dancing and all this celebration and this, you know, this evangelical church down the street. My girlfriend was a dancer. So she was asked to come in and dance and be a part of it. And, and I was just like, and then we go there and they you know, sing a song, <laughs> talk about the crucifixion, everybody goes home. In fact, that was one of the things I loved about uh, Elder Stevenson's talk was he said that there would only be an hour. And I thought, whoa, wow. Now that's a revelation if I've ever heard one. Church is only going to be an hour on Easter Sunday. So you can... Thank heavens we have a prophet to tell us that, you know, and then how we should learn. And then I love that he said that the best Easter story is in the Book of Mormon. And I thought, wow, we can't even give that to the New Testament. We can't even, we're going to take that one back too. And I, you know, I just thought, and the other thing I thought, and ladies, this is something that only a female podcaster would say was, Gary Stevenson, you are an extremely wealthy man. Get your freaking teeth fixed. I just, I couldn't, he had this huge gap in his bottom teeth and I couldn't stop looking at it. Cause I'm like, do you have spinach in your teeth or is there a huge gap? I'm going to give you the number for Invisalign. I think you could fix that. Gary Stevenson, <laughs> CEO of Icon Health and Fitness or whatever. Yeah. And I just thought I couldn't awesome. stop looking at that, you know, or, or I, as I would go through the conference talk, I'm like, that's a nice tie. I like how you tied that tie. That's a much better collar with the tie. I'm really, that's, I you know, that's all the ties. <laughs> See, a lot we, of more Easter themed colors. And I was like, did they pass yeah. out ties? Were they like, you're wearing the blue one and you're yeah. wearing the blue one? <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't have noticed the teeth because British or all British people have bad teeth. That's just the thing. We're, we're used to, we're used to that. Um, so if it wasn't right in the front where I thought, is that spinach or do you have like a half a quarter inch gap in between? Well, I, I am delighted that you, that you bring this up. You see, okay. okay you, you mentioned the Brit Avengers in your intro. Yeah. So as one of the, team who is the Brit Vengers. I love them with all of my geeky heart but as women you know those moments that we had when Wonder Woman was released yeah. and we got to see Themyscira and we got to see this island and these empowered strong women and I, I am having one of the most sacred experiences of my life because you know I'm thinking is this what it looked like is yeah. this what it was like before is this what it could look like yeah. oh I I mean that is empowering so to to come together as women to talk about um normally we hear how women are appearing be criticized or how their voices sound be criticized um yeah. they're on the stand to be objectified um and so we we saw that in elder gong's talk which is oh. one of my most infuriating moments no kidding not just what he said so he's giving the the this experience that he's heard let, please tell me it wasn't him who knows, um, where a, a young man on a beach is commenting uh, to a young woman that she is 
far too attractive. You know, you're so attractive. Why are you wearing such a modest bathing suit? Now, all of the the men uh, and the Brit Avengers um, were were outraged uh, that this this would never happen. This must be a fake story. Uh, the the number of women who were sort of saying women would never stand for being spoken to like that. Oh my goodness women have been spoken to that for our whole lives that's just how people that speak to women and women times. tend to yeah, yeah so i needed i needed to have this moment with with you guys to tell me i'm not losing my mind in this that is a completely normal uh, not normal but it's a normalized yeah. thing to have happened right yeah yeah well i mean objectify I whatever i'm looking at you know Uchtdorf, and i'm like I'm getting out my phone. I'm like, how old is Dieter Uchtdorf? I'm like, holy crap, he's 82 years old. I, my husband's watching it in the other room. I'm watching it in the bedroom. I'm like, do you know that that man is 80? He is really good looking for an 82-year-old. I was totally objectifying him. I'm like, dang, man, talk yeah. about Silver yes. Fox. It's like, woo, you know, yes. <laughs> I didn't think that about any of the other ones, but um, well, and move that, that kind of gives us on to, um, okay, I could be wrong, but were there only two women? Was it just sister Jameson and sister Corden? Was that it? Nine hours. There's no primary women there. Uh, Last October. Really? There were, there was a woman speaker in four out of the five. And the way they did it, like there was one Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, Sunday morning. So you had this pattern where I totally expected a woman to speak on Sunday afternoon last October. Yeah. And no. And I really felt, I wrote somebody this morning, I really felt like it was, oh, don't you take anything for granted. We're still in charge. Don't you think that because you've had four so far, we're actually going to have one each session? No, 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 no. The Lord is in charge. And of course, the Lord in 2023, the Lord of the Bible in 2023 would make sure there are women speakers. Yeah. Joanna, Susanna, Deborah, Mary. There would have been at least yeah. four. Yeah. So the two, I just feel like they're playing games with us. Yeah. Yes. You know, just yes. wet your appetite, see we're doing better, and then yeah, pull the rug the next time. And Bonnie is leaving, so they had to make her they talk. Her, yeah. So that was her exit talk, which I thought was, you know, I I I, I wrote down um that she um first of all, I wrote down that she has four children and that she was a working mother. That was actually in her bio on the church website. She was a working mother. I thought. Ezra Taft Benson's rolling in his grave right there. First of all, you only have four children. And I think it said after her third child, she quit working. And then she went back to work after. And she, oh, oh, you guys, how did they phrase it? She balanced. She balanced her priorities. That's how she was able to be a working mother. And I was like, well, that's not the message I got. There was no balancing, you know, that we were allowed to do. So isn't that funny how God changed that policy it's right there? Balanced. Yeah, but I did in all in, in fairness, I did say I was very, very pleased to see that the large flower and the black 
burqa with the colorful jacket and the large flower that has gone away now. And, (laughs) you know, their, their, their outfit has been, you know, a little bit more modernized. They don't all look like they're coming from, you know, the handmaiden's tale. So I was pleased. I was pleased with that. Um, But I also was a little concerned that Bonnie Corden, general authority, uh, or general relief society, um, uh, working bachelor's degree did not know what ALS was. So her father called and said, mm-hmm. I have ALS. And she had to look up what that was. I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. I'm concerned about that. Although after listening to RFM and Bill real talk about the death of her grandson, I'm not really, Yeah, I, I, I shouldn't have been surprised that she didn't oh. know what ALS was. <laughs> I, I think, well, I mean, we, I think, was, oh, so go, go ahead, Jane. I, well, I, I think the whole nuanced Mormon world was looking at her approaching the, the stand thinking, oh, yeah. <laughs> what's going to happen? Are we going to like, uh, so and and her story when she's talking about her dad calling, I'm thinking, oh, are we going to yeah. have another day? And, yeah. and what was heartbreaking to me about it is, so I couldn't concentrate on what she was saying because all of this was the the baggage yeah um but the last thing the abiding memory of her father is testify of christ Mm -hmm. not be a good person not do good in the world use every moment to talk about jesus that it kind of broke my heart a little bit i mean faith is important and if that's if that's how you if that's how you live your life but Oh, I don't know. My last words to my children being, yeah, make sure you talk about Jesus more. I don't think it's going to be that. It's going to be something to help them feel seen and empowered and know that they can make a difference in the world. You mean like, I love you. And I want to be sure and say, I love you, Bonnie. I loved our experience of fishing together as your father. It was such a pleasure to have you. Nothing like that as his last words. It was all about Jesus. Uh, Well, that's what she heard. If I can add, President Nelson's final words to his two daughters that he lost from cancer, Emily and Wendy, were, you have been faithful to your covenant. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's the important thing. It's the covenant. It's hard to see you go, but I know you're going. Being faithful to your covenants. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. isn't that isn't that something? It's not very personal, is it? It's it's all about the church. It's not personal to the person and what their experience is. Just like when the mom, the woman died, and they went to the temple that day. It's Mm -hmm. like how about talking about her. How about talking about her and how much we love her and what our experience was with our mom and our wife and bringing your family in and chatting and crying together. Instead, they're going to the temple. That's so weird. Which is, let's see, I think that's such a fascinating story that could have been done very well. So I'm going to maybe say if this had been in the hands of... um, a woman's speech writer that could have it could have been an empowering story because this is she wanted them to go to the temple that's Mm -hmm. that 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 were that were those were her wishes um 
that's a hell of an expectation for your children you, uh, and your husband. You know they are going to be grieving and they are going to be grieving hard. And if the lesson that those children are learning went along the lines of um, they have learned that the temple is where heaven meets earth, where the veil is at its thinnest, and I'm going to feel closest to my mother mm. if I go and spend time there and they feel somehow more connected or supported in the process of their grieving. Instead, we have someone with ALS who's already, I mean, that was his death note, right? He has ALS. We've jumped to the happily ever after because it's all about Jesus. Now we've seen a grieving family who not the story of someone who's so paralyzed with grief that they can't get out of bed for a year. We've rushed them through mourning because we need to get to that happy ending because we can't feel uncomfortable. We have to have the, oh, it's all going to be okay because the temple and Jesus. And do you know what? It is not okay. That is an unfair thing that has happened. And those children are going to be grieving. Um, So yeah, I would like to hear about the, the enabling power of the atonement and, a healthier way because none of that is healthy. I love that you brought that up. I love that you brought the, to the attention that um, that Mormons are not allowed to feel grief, that they must be happy, that they must be grateful for the atonement and that they must be um, solaced in the idea that families will be together forever. Move on. See you, see you next Sunday. And do you have that lesson prepared that you have to give in primary? Uh, because <laughs> all is well. All is well, and and there 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 isn't uh, an unallowable grieving, and that's a really good point. That even her family was like, well, you should just be grateful. Look what she did. You guys were all together in the temple, so you'll be a family forever, you know, together forever. And so move on. Let's move on. Yeah, yeah. that's a yeah. And uh, Martine, did you way, you must have experienced that? Yeah. Yeah. By the way, uh, Lila RFM and I were texting this morning. Uh, the reason she scheduled it. Okay, remind me. Was it the last week of 2022 that she scheduled it? Christmas and New Year's Day were on a Sunday. So the temple would have been closed on Saturday. So it's not like there was this, you know, this inspiration to go on Thursday instead of Saturday. Uh, so she said they normally go together on Saturday, but they went on Thursday. For New Year's Eve. Because it was closed anyway. Was that? I didn't know if it was 2022 or if this was I, in the past. I didn't pick that I up. I think she said that that in 2022 she was like in the fall, and it you know it sounds like she passed away pretty quickly after the diagnosis. But yeah, yeah I mean you've lost a child. I bet everybody here has buried someone. Uh, I mean, as soon as somebody dies, there's so many things that have to be done. Going yeah. to the temple would be like. We went a week after our daughter died. We were yeah. here in Salt Lake, burying her next to her brother. So yeah, a week after she died. But that wasn't the first thing on my mind when we got to Salt Lake, for example. <gasps> we have to go to the temple so we can feel like we're all together. You know, it was like, yeah. there's funeral home, there's a mortuary, there's, there's a circuit, right. family. Three games, too. And there's right. Like, yeah. right. And that, yeah. and no, it, I have, I have, uh, cognitive dissonance over all that, because I remember as a temple worker, I remember one day thinking, um, um, you know, 
all when my when my son was alive, I remember thinking we could all all of my five children, we could all go to the temple and be together, except for they wouldn't allow him in because he's never been baptized. He doesn't have temple ordinances done because supposedly he's perfect. And so would we we would never be able to be together in the celestial as a family because he's disabled and perfect. So the only way we would be able, okay, that would be a great, that wouldn't that be a great conference talk? The only way that we would be able to be together is now that he's dead, you can all be together in the temple. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, how is that supposed to be compassionate or, or, you know, just so, you know, or listening to people say, oh, I, you know, tried to go to the temple, but they wouldn't let me go in my wheelchair because they were afraid the wheels were going to, you know, damage the carpet or something like that. There's just so many things that are just like, that doesn't make sense. But yeah. Well, not, not only that, but you know, and, and bringing up the lived experience of, of people who, so I haven't experienced that kind of grief. I, I don't have a family dynamic at, at some point. I, I will in the future, but I, I don't know what, what that's like. Um, having a, a disabled son, um, there, there's a chronic sorrow is a, a thing that has been written about. So there's a type of that. That's not grief. There's a there's a sorrow that is a lived with thing. So what I feel so excited by and it's uh, how did you live through that? How did you experience that? How did where where were the places where it broke you how did you rebuild and did you rebuild and what does that's what I'm looking for from someone who you do this for a full-time job you're talking on this subject um with the authority to do it but you're not giving me anything that I can actually use as a tool that's going to help me get out of bed in the morning when it actually happens to me yeah whereas here are women who have had these experiences and we, we can talk about the messy stuff. We can talk about the hard stuff and, and not be afraid of it. It's uncomfortable. And that is, that's the thing that we're not good at is, is talking about the stuff that we're all going to go through, whether it's sin, whether it's the fallen world experience. Yeah. Give us something to work with. This is, this is almost my, always my conference plea. Give me something I can use. And I think, I think, Lila, that's what you were asking, Martine, is when we listened, especially Sister Jameson's talk, um, which would, you know, G faith in Jesus Christ will heal everything. And I remember thinking, and I thought of you, Martine, as like exactly what you're saying, Jane. Um, give me, give me something more specific that's going to get me through this day. The, the, you, you can't just say, I mean. I found just random, and I haven't seen it since, but randomly this thing popped up on TikTok where it was showing these disabled kids in the Philippines. And there was a picture of a, a you know, one of these beds, you know, um, in the Philippines, there's this horribly disabled uh, man. His eight-year-old child has got like a pulley rigged up over the bed that they're having to use to try to pulley this man to lift him up and lift him over this eight-year-old child is having to do this and I just looked at that and I just thought okay that's great I guess in the back of your mind if you thought oh Jesus you know I'm so glad that you died for my sins and and I'll someday I'll be able to be with you but in the meantime 
what am I going to do to get through this day? Like, like Martine, I, I just remember you talking about, you know, trying to bathe your daughter and, and what is Jesus doing? And then, and so what Jameson's answer to that was, he gives you the strength. You have the strength to get through the things. And I thought, well, those people in the Philippines don't believe in Jesus. That's, mm-hmm. that's not giving them the strength. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, there's something else. It's not faith in a, 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 you know, zombie figure that we haven't even verified. It's just a, a belief that's going to get you through this stuff every day. When you're crying in the closet, Martine, Jane, when you have days that go without sleep and, and uh, somebody that you can't, you know, have a verbal conversation with, tell me what you need so that I can do it. And you can't have that. How many days do you go through that and just go, well, Jesus died for our sins so that I'm good. No, you're crying. You're desperate. You're, you're destitute. You're, and yeah. that's why I get so tired of people like, like, like you were saying, Martine Nelson goes into the hospital room of his dying daughters and he just, he didn't have to raise the kids. His daughter, his wife did everything. And, and, um, and he just gives her what he knows because that's his life. Look what Jesus, look at what your covenants, look what my temple, look what my priesthood has done for all of you. Bye. Got a meeting to go mm. to See you later. You know, the, I, I don't know if, if, um, you, you got to see, I, I recommend everyone go check out Carol Lynn Pearson's Facebook page because she, um, wrote a post, I believe it was last year, but she, she, she shared it again for, for this Palm Sunday and she gives an Easter story and it, I mean, it's, it's fairly short and there is this, um, moment where a woman is experiencing the the Gethsemane moment and the breaking moment and she's conversing with Jesus as as this happens so that by the time they get to resurrection it's because a death has happened and everything has changed now when I hear the talk that this is that this is based on that where we arrive is Jesus is the empowerer, the the saviour, the the resurrection, the purpose. I have had experiences, really powerful ones, that I felt were life-saving at the time where I arrived in that place. And they are real and they are significant. But what I need is the, tell me about the death that happens. Tell me about the torture. Tell me about the pain. Tell me about the betrayal. Um, Not as an academic exercise and this is what happened to Jesus. Tell me how that was feeling when he was on the floor, not knowing if he could go on. Um, because I've been on the floor, not knowing if I can go on. Can we? Can you come down and meet me in that space and talk about that? Um, because without that, I cannot meet you in the Jesus space. Mm-hmm. And and that's because you do get it from a male perspective, which is everything is fine. He got up, he brushed himself off, went and met his disciples, and said, "We're good. Here we go." And because that's the male perspective, that's not the falling on the ground, tears, I can't do this anymore um, feeling. But yeah, that's that's amazing. Well, and that, that was my frustration with Sister Jameson. Also, the frustration part I had was that she's a lawyer. And um, I just thought to myself, 
do you use that baby voice in court? Because I have a hard time thinking that you're a lawyer if you're going in and going, my dear jurors, I'm just so happy to be here with you today. I love you so much, jurors. You know, I just thought, I can't believe you're a lawyer with that voice and her tears. Immediately, there were tears. Five seconds into it. I have to, because <laughs> I know, uh, Jane, I know that you hate that people do this, but this is something that has bothered me since I was little, since I was little, the women that I admired did not talk like that. Oh, Nobody yeah. I knew talked like that, except the Relief Society president, maybe, yeah. or the primary, like, it was like, this isn't real. Why are they doing this? Do they have to go to a special course? This is how you <laughs> because it's not it's it's just so it's so mamby pamby sweet dripping with syrup that i can't even listen to what they're saying mm -hmm. so and if joko did not talk like that no yeah yeah it's the purpose of their message i can't hear it i cannot even begin to hear what they're saying because it's all i turned it off already mm -hmm. when they came out with my dear brothers and sisters, I feel so off. I'm done. I can't yeah. hear the rest. Right? I want to hear, like you said, Jane, I want to hear somebody get dirty with me and say, you know what? This sucks. And this was really hard. And there were times when I was cleaning up throw up every 10 minutes and I couldn't get through the first hour of the morning without having, you know, difficult situations get thrown in my lap that I didn't know how I was going to handle them. This happened to me when I, when my mother was dying, this happened to me when my father was dying, this happened to me when my husband was dying. Mm -hmm. I had to deal with cleaning up their poop right. every morning. My mother shit the bed. Okay. And I had to clean up her sheets and wipe her down, get her in the shower if she would let me. Yeah. And these were things that nobody ever told me that I might have to deal with in dealing with my aging parents or my husband who was dying of colon cancer. No right. one told me. Right. And and yet, and I will say this, my boys and my and his brother, one of his brothers, probably both of them, probably all three of them, had moments with him where they were they were serving like that. And I wish that we could hear those kinds of stories. Right. right. And also hear, hear this. This is another thing that bothers me. So Bonnie Courtney's dad had ALS. I'm sure he had blessings, priesthood blessings out the yin yang. He probably had them from everybody that he could get blessings from. But we never talk about that. We never talk right. about, right. you know, all the blessings of healing that my husband, he was my ex by then, but yeah. yeah, I was married to him for 33 years. Okay. All of the blessings he got were that he would be healed. There wasn't one that said, you know, God will be done. It was all, you're going to be healed. You're going to live and remarry and you're going to find your eternal companion and you're going to go on and see your grandchildren get married. That's mm. what they told him yeah and none of that came to pass and i remember thinking what's the priesthood for what and all my kids fasting and all of us fasting what what's fasting for like they don't tell these stories 
Yeah. And if they do, it's, it's put in some light that isn't real. It's like we have to have the faith not to be healed, right? I'm well, sorry. That's what yeah. And that, and I love that you brought that up, Lila, because like you say, the, the cleaning up, uh, you know, cleaning adult diapers and cleaning up throw up and, you know, Britt Hartley brought this to the attention. I remember when I was, I first heard this when I was laying in the hospital with my son and she said, you know, pay, spirituality is seen through the words of men who, who don't recognize when you stay up all night, when you're bathing uh, babies whose yeah. skin is falling off when you're cleaning up throw up and Jane you're dealing with diarrhea and poop and feeding fam making sure that there's enough food for people and all of this stuff none of that is considered spirituality and yet that is when you feel the closest if you have a belief in a god you know the times that I bathed him that yeah. the times that I you know bent his little arms that you know because he was so bent and lifted him up and bathed him. And I knew that inside there, inside that bent body that was nonverbal, you know, I'm serving you. I'm serving. I'm showing you what love is. I know what love is because I clean this up. And that's the spirituality. And there isn't one religion, Buddhism, Hinduism, any of the Abrahamic Islam and Jew, Jew there isn't one of them that recognizes the female part of spirituality we're all put down as that's just your job. But if you want to know real spirituality, let me enlighten you. And that's exactly Jane, what you're talking about. And I, she brought that up and it was like, it was the answer that I needed to hear is the service that you do as women. Yeah. When, when, and when she talks about, uh, you know, Buddha or these men that go off to India and they take a retreat and they, they sit in Lotus pose for three years and they learn how to meditate and they come back and we all go, oh, teach me, teach me spiritual leader. In the meantime, he left his wife and his child. He abandoned his family to do that. And, and I remember when I first heard that going, wait a minute, I don't know, besides Jesus, I don't know any of these men Muhammad that didn't abandon their families or, or, or their, even Joseph Smith, I'm completely going to abandon my responsibility as a, as a breadwinner and provide for my family. I'm just going to leave all of you and I'm going to go do my thing as prophet, by the way, build her a house, by the way, provide me with food, by the way, I'm going to need your money for transportation. And, and I see the same thing going on now, you know, all of these, all of these, you know, yeah. where's, where is sister Nelson? You know, I said, she's sitting over there in the dark yeah. shadows over there. Like Russell, yeah. give me one conference talk that is nothing but what your wife did for you. Tell me about her as a mother raising your nine or 10 children. Tell me about her. That was uh, all good. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The, the, I would ask, um, because I'm always asking for a little bit more, you know, there's always, there's always something I need that's a little bit extra than even if we got something that alluded to that. This is more enriching than the conference experience because it's real, because I know that you get what that is like. So, mm -hmm. um, we, we are unmasking, we are unlayering, we are, once we're in that place, we can then get real about it. So what mm. about the times when I resent it? What about the times when I hate motherhood and I would be mentally healthy if I didn't have these children who are who need me? And yes, yeah. it's wonderful. Yeah, and yes, you I can, yeah. Can I resent 
being the caregiver and can that be sacred can that be holy can yes. that be part of the burden I bring to Christ um we I, I love that you brought our you know, the, the expectations of child caregivers and or young young adult caregivers and young carers I, I say so often that the church is Sparta if you are not contributing then you you if you're not able to give more then there is no place we had our um when our youngest child was little and um he he would be woken up in the night because when when his brother would wake up and feel confused and aggressive and he would lash out and so everyone's crying and um he, when when my son is um is feeling worried or scared he he'll push or he'll lash out or he'll go to grab so we have this little four-year-old who the first thing he's learned and how to interact with his brother is to run you have to run fast we have to get you out of the way we can calm him and then your needs are going to be second it's a horrible thing for a child to learn and mm -hmm. then you have to love him and when you go to church you're being taught, what more can you do in your family? Yeah. What more could you give? How could you help your mom and dad more? How, how else could you show love when they are giving everything? It is a terrible burden, and it's the same burden that we are carrying. What more can we do? Mm -hmm. What if could my holiness look like? Can I just be me can I not be the wife the mother the, can I just be me and not have any of this so while relief and care and humanitarian aid oh my goodness they are healing and they are wonderful and exciting could I have a self again mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, exactly you know, exactly I saw some friends raving about Ugdorf's talk but that was something he said was enjoy. What, what did he say about raising your children? You know, do it like, don't resent it. Yeah. I mean, that came right. out of Hugdor's mouth is, mm -hmm. you know, don't, uh, I should find it on my iPad here. Mm -hmm. Don't resent it with, with, with joy. Well, mm -hmm. sometimes it isn't joyful. A lot of times it isn't yes. joyful. That's right. That's exactly right. And sometimes it is like Mar Martine, like you were saying as well. It's like, um, you know, I, I tried so many times. I thought, okay, I remember one time my, I had my son in school and I knew, okay, the school system in America, they can stay in the school system until he's 21. I thought, okay, he's, he's 16. I've got five years. I've got five years. I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to get my degree because he's in school from, you know, 730 in the morning until 330. So I've got between 730 and 330. I can go back to school. Maybe I can get a part-time job and then I can do this because when he's 21, I'm, that's it. That's, that's all I have, you know? And I just had this panicky feeling. So it's like, yeah, I love, I mean, I chose to have my children. I love being a mother, but there was a time in my life when I went, I want to do something else too. Sister Jameson, Miss Lawyer, three kids. I want to do something else too. Not, I don't want to do, I'm not, I don't, you know, we're not, we're not animals. We don't kick our kids out and go, great, you're now raised. Bye-bye. See you later. I want to do something too. And that's okay as well. But we're not really taught that that's okay as well as women, only if you're a male. And but 
which brings me a little bit to uh, Brother Elder Bennett, Rand Randall Bennett's talk. And I thought what was funny about that was that he talked about patriarchal blessings and the men that I've listened to that have recapped his, his talk, I couldn't get past the trauma. When he talked about his parents arguing and threatening divorce his entire childhood, that's it. That's all I heard. All I had envisioned was a little boy in his bedroom, listening to his children, his parents fighting and the constant fear that he had. And he completely, he told that story, but then it was about how his patriarchal blessing comforted him. And I thought, no, 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 no. We need to go back to your traumatic childhood and how that's affecting you as an adult and how his parents finally did get divorced. That's what that talk should have been about. Mm -hmm. And not some random, you know, tarot card reading that we're going to call a patriarchal blessing. Patriarchal blessing made it all better. Mm -hmm. The what? Patriarchal blessing made it all better. Yes. Yeah. It solved all of the trauma that he has as a child. And I, I just, my heart just broke for him as I stood there and I thought, you don't even know. You don't even understand what this trauma did to you. And I just, and I also wanted to know where his parents were at this time where he's telling the entire world about his traumatic childhood. I'm like, Ooh, mom doesn't like this talk, you know, yeah. but um, it, it was heartbreaking. And, and I haven't heard anybody talk about that. I mean, the, the, just the way he said it, I worried every day, every day, I wasn't sure whether my parents were going to be, you know, what would I come home to? And I thought, this is a, this is a like 48 hours type story you got going on here. And then what happened after they got divorced? All he said was the patriarchal blessing. What happened after that? Obviously, he's successful because he's a general authority. But um, <clears throat> they don't just, you know, pick anybody. But, um, yeah. Good question. Yeah, yeah. Just, um, one thing I wanted to mention was uh, Carl B. Cook. This is kind of along with what we were talking about a minute ago. He said... He quoted Joseph Smith saying, don't let discouragement overwhelm us. Mm -hmm. Keep going with faith no matter what. And that, that always, that always, what that speaks to me is ignore your feelings. Don't listen to your brain. Don't critical think. Just keep going. Just, mm -hmm. just don't look at anything. Just keep going in faith. Don't listen to your heart, your mind, you know, your spirit crying out to you. There's something wrong. Right. It's right. it's a thought stopper. Right. You know, keep going right. in faith no matter what. What if there's abuse going on? What if there's something bad happening? What if your bishop is having an affair with your Relief Society president or is abusing a child or there's something wrong? You don't just keep going in faith. You have to take a stand. You have to do something and listen to what's happening. That just seems like no matter what is a little bit, that's scary to me. That's a stand. That that's a new version. version. That's 2023. Stay in the boat. Yeah. yeah. You're a robot. You don't need to think you just stay on the covenant path. If I hear covenant path again, <laughs> oh, I'm so tired of hearing that phrase. Yeah. It's yeah. what does that mean? Exactly. Do yeah. everything. We tell you, go to the temple, take your covenants, and then stay on that path. Never deviate. Don't think. Just do what we tell you. Yeah. That's really scary to me. That that sounds like cult mind control to me. I have two women friends 
that both went to their bishops for counsel because they had abusive husbands. And both, fortunately, um, after many bishops, the, the one friend was able to get a bishop that said, who told you you had to stay in this marriage? Mm -hmm. But all of the bishops up until then told her she had to stay in this marriage. Yeah. And, and then my other friend, the bishop, I mean, he, this man was diagnosed with bipolar. He was, you know, uh, dangerous and he was dangerous to their children because of the example that he was setting. And he, she was, to, you know, love him more. It will upset him if you leave him. You need to stay with him. And she finally had the, the you know, intuitive to say, I can't do this anymore. Left him. Her children are doing better. She's remarried, has a wonderful new husband. And, you know, and it's just amazing, the counsel that, and then yeah. the women who don't have the strength or the capability to use their own intuitiveness to go. Mm. Well, they're the more righteous ones, though. They're more mm -hmm. righteous. Because yeah. they look to their leader. Well, they've they've been disempowered by their um the person who's exercising power over them. And then when they seek help from someone else who has power and authority, they're continuing to disempower them. So where right. the hell do you find the strength? Who is going to be the person who saves you? And it is often maybe the, the family member who's not in the church, who has that step back, or someone in Relief Society who is particularly insightful and, and can recognize the signs. We are not trained in looking for the signs. Um, just if it's okay, could, could I just quickly mention that um, we have been asking uh, in 21st century saints, particularly if you're in the UK, but we are also interested in stories from around the world. But if you've lived and served in the UK, um, we're asking people to come forward with their experiences. Um, we have been able to keep people safe today and um, who are experiencing situations exactly like this. Um, so we have launched an online survey um, as a way to make it easier for you to contact us and share your story in as much or little detail as possible. And you can be completely anonymous. So, yeah, we, we have that at 21stCenturySaints.org. Um, that issue about, um, you know, bringing abuse into it, I think, is where conference needed to talk about this this year well it's from exactly what you said jane if you have like those two talks lila's talking about if you're discouraged if you're sad if things aren't going your way just stay in the boat and then yours where you're talking about is contention you can see where there if there is abuse in the family then a woman is going to internalize that as this is my fault this is i'm being contentious i'm letting satan into my heart um i need to listen to my leaders and I'm going to stay in this abusive situation um, because, you know, I will love. I can love. I can love this man through this, which is the whole setup for abuse, is thinking that you can change another person. But Well, the, the really scary thing for me, I think, um, and, and if it's okay, just because we're talking about this, um, yeah. as, as President Nelson is talking about the subject of contention, um, Someone who is an abuser is, um, generally speaking, when it's insidious, they are the most holy, the most righteous, they, they know how the rest of the world just doesn't understand the gospel, and they know the language to be used, and they, they really believe that they are, um, it, it really interests me that, um, 
you know the the series that everyone's been watching right now where um you know in the the end of the world apocalypse when everything is going is going you know so traumatically and zombies are chasing you and all of these terrible things happen the worst thing that happens um the breaking point for a for a girl was was abuse was was assault and the abuser just I am so good. Why can't you see this? Um, that is what the dynamic looks like. So when an abuser is hearing, don't be contentious. They mm -hmm. are hearing um, something that's empowering to them. When someone is reporting abuse, they're being contentious. You're making mm -hmm. me feel uncomfortable. And that's how that unfortunately is the story of how abuse keeps being perceived throughout the church. Now, I think that President Nelson's talk did a lot to flip that, but wasn't enough. It has to spell it out in a much more exact way. Otherwise, people just don't see it. Um, if you don't have the ability to be able to recognize what it looks like, what are the patterns, we also have this... Uh, it becomes more dangerous in the church because we have this impression that um, safeguarding or, or child protection or, or the protection of the vulnerable actually happens because we have this training video, right. um, which does nothing, which, um, yeah. if anything, it's a cartoon. It's it, um, And it's by its nature is lightening the subject. Um, if you're alone in a car with someone, um just be careful because of how it might look. That's what's being taught. It's the uh, national charities here in the United Kingdom have told us that it is one of the worst examples of, of a you know wow. child protection training that they have ever seen. But oh. because members think that this is um this is what looks like good training, all, all of our all of our uh, members can can do this, they feel safe. And when you feel yeah. safe, you're not you're just not looking for for what the signs are. Mm -hmm. So we are disempowering our members. We are disempowering the people who are you know actually victims. The best thing that we can do is to start talking about it. The second we started talking about abuse, people started telling their story. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Well, and then Martine, what was your impression of the contentious theme? of the conference why do you why did you when you were watching it why were you like oh i see why we're why contention is the theme for this conference hmm nelson's well i made a post uh, on on the mormon stories facebook group yesterday because nelson you know several people are saying and and my own husband say that too and and maybe i even believe it that it might be the best talk nelson's ever given if you look at it in a vacuum, yes. But if you look at what he said just two years ago, calling probably the four of us. Lazy learners. Disciples, <laughs> you know, and we can probably go back. I mean, you know, uh, I mean, you can look at what Ballard's called us, what Holland's has called us, not to mention the musket fire. Uh, yeah, is it a turning page for President Nelson? I sort of doubt it. Uh, 
Well, it, it it was almost comical because I thought, when did he turn into the happy little jolly, yeah. laughy, laughy, make a little joke guy? I mean, when they're showing the 1995 where he's insisting that we'd be called the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, he wasn't happy. No. He wasn't like joking. He wasn't going, oh, I bet you don't think this is about you guys, right? <laughs> you know, and I just thought, who is this man? Is this his, is this because he's 98 or is this his uh, acting of how to, not to show contention? And I thought the other thing I thought, well, I think you not need to talk to that COVID apostle about contention with this taffy pulling. I'm not going to stand yeah. for you people that you know, leave the church. There's a yeah. lot of contention in Holland's talks. And, how how and dare I, you leave the church that I have yes. given my life to? Yeah. I think to me, a lot of the contentious talk has to do it. It's very U.S. centric because COVID really divided us. Mm -hmm. Trump divided us, still divides us. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're a member in the U.K., when you're a member in Belgium, you don't know what the person next to you, you don't know what political party they are in because yeah. there's so many. Well, in the UK, you're also pretty, it's pretty black and white too. But you know, if, I, if you look at other countries, politics doesn't enter church. So I, I think it probably left some members across the globe sort of scratching their head, which General Conference often does, I think. Uh, you know, what What are they talking about? Yeah. that here. Right. You know, what, yeah, outside of America, on? yeah. Yeah. So to me, a lot of the contentious, you know, the reducing contentions, because we know you have people, you have faithful members on the right who are upset with the brethren over what they feel are you know the too soft LGBTQ policies? God forbid. Yeah. You know, Mormon Land had an episode. So the you know the Tribs podcast, Mormon Land had an episode in December with Paul Merrow and Stuart Reed. Stuart Reed is a former state senator, but he also worked in the early two thousands for the church uh, newsroom for public affairs, and his assignment had to do with Prop 8 and all of that. And he is extremely conservative in that regard. And he doesn't, and Paul Merrow was the head of the, the very conservative think tank here in Utah, Sutherland Institute. And Stuart and I listened to that podcast, that Mormonland podcast together in the car in, in December. And we kept hitting pause because we couldn't believe what these two men who kept saying, we sustain, I sustain President Nelson, I sustain the apostles, but I totally disagree with what they're doing right now mm -hmm. with the LGBTQ community. This was mm -hmm. at the, the Marriage Act, not the Defense for Marriage, I, uh, the, new, the new law that was passed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, that they just were totally opposed to it and opposed to the church mm -hmm. coming out and supporting it. Yeah. So, but you know, the reason they just, came out and supported it is not because right. they're pro LGBTQ. No, it's right. Not. It was to protect them. Yeah. 
Yes. Well, and I, I kept thinking it was, it was so funny because I wish I was trying to find it. I couldn't find it. But there, there was an article. I, f I follow the Salt Lake Tribune and there was an article in the Tribune. And immediately afterwards, there was a you didn't listen to our prophet. Our prophet said you shouldn't have contention. How dare you write this article? <laughs> I thought. I thought that was contentious mm -hmm. of you to say that, you know, but the whole time I just kept thinking, wow, what a better way. And not only in the SEC financial situation, did they say, and the matter is closed, mm -hmm. you know, so they shut everybody up right there. But now the whole entire conference mm -hmm. is on. Um, we're not going to talk bad about people. We're not going to say mm -hmm. anything bad at all about anybody. If anybody comes home from their mission, we're not going to say anything. If anybody gets divorced, if somebody's like you said, if the Relief Society president's having an affair, if your elders quorum president sets up 13 shell companies, we're not going to talk about that <laughs> because that would be contentious. I mean, the whole thing was just a ploy to get people not to talk about the shell company. <laughs> Yeah, you know, you know, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. That yeah, is I the first moment. Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah, that's all I could think about was like, oh, yeah, you know, we're, we're just the the audit. You know, we're, we're just following what we've told everyone to stay out of debt, uh, have put a little bit of money away. And I thought oh, that is brilliant advice. I am going out today and asking all of my neighbors to donate 10 percent of their income. I'm going to set it up in a shell company in in uh, off, you know, offshore. And uh, that will be my backup fund. You know, for my retirement, I love that idea. Definitely from God. You know, I just thought, can mm -hmm. we just can we just address the issues and say, we honestly we talked about it. We thought it would probably be okay. We're sorry. I don't know. Can you know. imagine if Russell Nelson just go there for a second in your mind? <laughs> got up in conference, and his final words were. I want to take this opportunity to publicly apologize for what we did with our investments and yeah. our, our shell companies and hiding from, you know, the whole SEC debacle. Yeah. Yeah. We, we should not have, you know, that was a mistake. And we make mistakes too. Yeah. And we are sorry. And we are repenting. And that will not happen again. And please do not follow our example of what to do with your your money because we did the wrong thing. Yeah. If he was percent of the church membership has no idea this took place and there's no yeah, reason yeah, for that. Yeah. He wants to live on it. Seriously. I know. And mm -hmm. if they find out, don't be contentious and call yeah. us out on it. Yeah. Just and I keep could going sustain him again no matter if what. he did that. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's someone yeah. that I could sustain. That's that is the no. church that I am looking for. Exactly. Um, but when you talk about so sad. yeah, um, when you're talking about what um were the reasons for the contention thing, I so I, another thing that I think we had been kind of braced for, um, and it's what I assume that you're really meaning when you talk about contention, was the Elder Corbett's little yeah. TNT moment. Um, if your child struggles with a gospel principle or prophetic teaching, 
please resist any type of evil speaking or activism toward the church or its leaders. These approaches are beneath you and can be lethal to your child's faithfulness. Mm -hmm. um, he could have ended by saying, screw you, mama dragons. Yeah. Uh, people have yeah. demonstrated again and again, if you ask us to choose between our child's pain and the church, they are going to choose their child. Now, not exclusively. Unfortunately, it is a huge problem. But when it comes to good parenting, you stand with your child and to bring the church and your testimony or um, contention into it is unacceptable. Um, we, we are placing ourselves above you people who do that. Oh, my God goodness yeah that was one of those ping pong moments right because because martin didn't you quote you know, elder uchtdorf was like was it was it he who said um you know we've heard that people have basically shunned their children or shunned members of their family we that breaks our hearts that you would do yeah. that mm -hmm. that was one comment and then the next talk was you know you're you're the parents you're responsible for their behavior uh, if things aren't going well in your home, you might want to look at how you're parenting. And and I remember going, OK, that was one of those ping pong moments where first it was like love. And then the next thing was like, mm -hmm. you're not setting the example, you know, so it was like, mm, OK, but yeah, yeah, it's 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 one of those things where you're like, could, I know you claim that you don't coordinate your talks. I know you claim that you don't know what the other person's speaking, but maybe we should get together. <laughs> Maybe we should all get together and say, oh, I'm going to talk about how if your parent kids go astray, it's your fault. Oh, no, I, you can't say that because I was going to say that we have free agency. And, you know, oh, OK, well, I'll have to change my talk. You know, maybe it'd be better instead of going, what? what? Yeah. Our, we had our youngest child, the, the, the kid who's now our youngest came to live with us during COVID and they are now they're they're now a forever child. We get to keep them forever. And they like, came to good. live with us. Because, yeah, it's like achievement unlocked. I got a bonus kid. Um so they came to live with us because they weren't safe in their home. They are a transgender kid and they are perfect. And they come to church along with me. What we had to do whenever they first came to live with us is we had this moment of sitting down with the For Strength of Youth book. And I took them through the For Strength of Youth book to point out that here is what you may hear in church. We do not, this is not how we believe things in our family. You may hear these messages and they are harmful and they are not okay. Um, we had to do that to make sure that they were safe at church and that mm. is not a sign of being unfaithful that's how to strengthen someone's understanding of the church that you please excuse my attention no, taking husky. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah it's it's not about pitting me against leaders against if, if you if you are sending messaging that is harmful then i am going to stand with my child yeah yeah isn't that and like you said in God's only true church on the earth, that's sad that you have to go through a screening process before everybody leaves and goes and sits in the chapel. Now, today you might hear this, this, and this. Ignore that. We don't believe that. See you next Sunday. So, you know? May I ask you under... We can't hear you, Jane. 
I'm uh, sending yeah. my husky, uh, hoping that somehow he'll become intelligent oh. enough to be like, oh, yeah, I'm really sorry. <laughs> he wants to participate. You know, It's more likely to happen than having my teens, you know, say, oh, yeah, yeah I understand. I'll just go out. But, yeah, yeah. Um, he's he's headed off. Sorry he, about he's that. our official priesthood holder that we have here with our meeting and our really exciting. He member. has more authority in his little right. paw. That's right. <laughs> yeah, But go ahead, Lila, you were going to ask. Well, I don't mean to be contentious, okay? That's not why. <laughs> obviously, I don't because I of conference. But um, what is the why? Okay, now that you have a transgender in your home, what would be the benefit of taking them to a church that you have to do all these disclaimers for? What's going to be yeah. a good? Um. So the. <laughs> I probably would have taken them. Um, you know, I, this is this is what the context of my life looks like, and uh, I have nuanced beliefs. Um, so I'm going to church tomorrow. Do you want to come? And they, you know, they they have a lot of um, unmet needs. They want to they they want to be with me. So they they come to church. So you're going to hear this, and here is how we're going to handle it. If you hear it, you can stay with me. You don't have to go into these classes, and we will just continue to reinforce positive messaging when it comes up. And they have wanted to continue to be there. Um, what happened that was super interesting is it turns out that there are since they started attending, there are a couple of other transgender kids in this teeny ward like so trans kids have now made up what 50 percent of uh, the young women's program i think maybe at one wow. point um so I, I think it did a lot um so i guess the part of me who's like the church needs people like you and you are so open and giving and uh you all need to know that there are transgender people out there that you love because at the moment it's all sort of theoretic but most importantly for them it's weird but they've kind of chosen hanging around the edges of this space I think if the missionaries showed any more interest in hanging out with them oh yeah I think they would be baptized in a heartbeat mm. um but who, so I don't know how that would look. Um, I don't know what barriers would would then come up. But for the moment, yeah, there. It's. I think it's probably been a, a story of feeling empowered to go into the world and spaces that are not looking like they're going to support you, and you're with someone where you're going to feel safe. And mm -hmm. ultimately, you know that the teachings behind it are teachings that should help you to feel safe, that you are welcome, that you are loved. And that if you hear something that's, you know, shows the opposite to that, it's not true. You can discard it. Mm. So I'm really sorry, Elder um, Corbett, but I am, yeah, I am going to continue to reinforce those messages in our home. Yeah, the, the, I think he, was it he that brought up the cafeteria Mormon? We don't get to uh, selectively reject teachings we have to drink the whole kool-aid drink the whole bucket yeah 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 that was i, I think that's so fun because he uh, here's another ping pong situation so he mentions selective rejection that's not okay but then but then they'll but then brother um who was it, it was uh, 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 uh haney brother haney was like you know those past prophets you just 
they don't they don't age well they're not like a vintage car you can just throw those comments away we're not going to listen to those past guys anymore we're only going to listen to the new prophet and but then you've got selective represent I'm like well then aren't we selectively rep reflecting on the old prophet you know and then like the next guy got up and quoted Spencer W Kimball and I'm like isn't he a past prophet are we are we not supposed to quote <laughs> from him it was just like oh geez, people get your you know let's Very get your Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. Yeah, definitely. Well, besides Schmutz or whatever his name was talking about engraving plates with a stylist, I thought that was hilarious. Uh, that was a that was a good one. Brother Renland, um, you know, his talk was just he just has a tone. He just has a tone, even if his words, the, if you read the words of his talk, you'd probably go, hmm, whatever. OK, but it's the tone that he delivers that that you're just like, I don't like you. I don't like what you're <laughs> spilling out here. It's just, it doesn't give you a warm fuzzy. He's not a warm fuzzy at one all. Thing, one thing he said, and I haven't had a chance to go back, but I did write it down at the time, is how important it is that we must clearly understand our covenants. Yes. And representing the Lord's name in vain, right? Wasn't that his thing? I. The thing is, even though the new version of the endowment lists the covenants up front. It doesn't explain them. No. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. You're not understanding the covenants you're about to make. Yeah. And, and then, and then the whole idea that those covenants that you're taking, that if you're not living them to the fullest, you mean like that one that says honest in all your dealings or oh, that mm -hmm. kind of thing, then how dare you even call yourself a follower of Christ if you're not living like Christ? And I'm just like, well, my husband, let me tell you the difference between those uh, 15 men that were sustained and my husband. We walked into a music festival on Saturday night and it was an open air festival, right? It was just at a park. And so we just walked down the hill and set up our chairs. And then when we were walking over to get at one of the food trucks, I noticed there was like a big sign that said entrance. And I said, were we supposed to come in through that way? Is there a fee to get in here? And he goes, oh, no. And I said, well, whatever. And he was like, no, no, I'm going to go over and ask because if there's a fee, I'm going to pay it. That's an honest person that I would sustain. You know, he doesn't have any shell companies. You know, and so I just thought not representing Jesus. Well, hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, yeah, that was a, that was a toughie. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that was all that I had written down. Actually, the Saturday evening one was a killer. It was so boring. I couldn't even get through it. And actually Sunday afternoon, I think, <laughs> I think my favorite talk was President Oaks's talk. <laughs> and I, I told my husband, I said, honey, there you go. When you're I'm asked talking. to speak in sacrament next time, just open the Book of Mormon to Nephi or whatever, mm -hmm. and just read the whole freaking chapter, say in the name of Jesus Christ, and you got a 10-minute talk right there. Yeah. I was like, what's happening? He I didn't guess. say anything horrible about anybody. That's true. That's a plus. <laughs> I had the thought that he... Every time he opens his mouth, something toxic comes out yes. and that he's been told that. <laughs> that was his only way. Like, I, just, I can't say anything. So I'm just going to read scripture. 
Maybe I'll be okay. Nobody can talk about me the day after in some kind Good, of a right. podcast, right? They're not going to say none anything of it about his me. Mind. No, because none of like, it came from him. Just going to yeah. read. I'm going to read God's words <laughs> yeah. that were written down. Somebody was taking taking notes that those are actually that God's words. That was funny. See, I felt like it was his speechwriter. Um, just really wanted to go home early one Friday, <laughs> and that was how they dialed it in. We'll just cut and paste a bunch of stuff send it and that yeah. was but now you come to mention it yeah it probably has has been about okay if you can just we yeah. just haven't quoted jesus he'll love it yeah. he, he can't yeah. do too much harm there what was hysterical oh is this really bad that i find it funny um and these quotes because of course, you know, we have Jesus's official biographer, you know, walking around with him, taking yeah. verbatim, he said yeah. this, mm-hmm. um, you know, so the Bible is very, very historical yeah. as we're sharing all of this stuff. The first thing that he shared <laughs> was a quote from the temple video. It was, you know, he it's, it went Jesus, you know, this is what is being said. This is this first commandment. And yeah. I'm like, you know that? <laughs> it was how mm-hmm. yeah as as, re- as recorded in the scriptures and i'm like yeah that was doctrine and covenants which i don't think came from jesus so yeah. i don't remember him talking about that and i don't yeah. remember any hand signals in the new testament <laughs> or even eternal marriage i don't even remember that being talked about in the new testament so which scriptures exactly mm-hmm. So yeah, they can yeah. just throw out the word recorded in the scriptures and everybody thinks it's in, you know, second Thessalonians somewhere. And it's kind of like, I don't think it was. I don't know. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder. I, yeah. Scriptures. They're, that, that's a problematic word for me. Yeah. Because I just, all that comes to mind is man-made. And well, I don't trust yeah. man-made. You know, well, because you know the minute President Oaks has made profit, that that proclamation to the world family thing is going to be Doctrine and Covenants section one, whatever. Uh, it's going to be right down there with the uh, polygamy manifesto. It, yeah. yeah, so yeah. it'll become scripture. He's just he's just hanging on. That's what's keeping him alive. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, well, ladies, this has been a kick in the pants, and I do believe it must be repeated, I must say, way before October. It must be repeated before October conference. And it was a little bit, and this is, I will blame this on President Nelson. He started out his prophetic career by saying, you better watch out for conference. There's going to be something new. And so everybody's like, ooh, I don't believe anybody used to do that. We used to just go, oh, conference will be great. We're going to be inspired. We're going to be enlightened. But he set up the precedence for this new stuff's coming out. And so now now we're doing predictions, right? Because that's what we think every conference is going to be some new prediction. And this one was just a bunch of Jesus stuff, which I'm like, when did we, when did we start worshiping Jesus? I don't remember that in the Mormon church. I thought it was all Nephi and Joseph and, and uh, you know, and I just thought, I thought, here's my revelation. I think that years, 25 years down the road, I won't be here to see it, but I'm just tell your children, sister Steelman prophetically announced this. There will be no uh, Joseph Smith. There will be no Book of Mormon. There will be no polygamy. We will be a good Protestant Methodist 
Jesus loving church. And all of that will be just kind of gaslighted away because I, I, you know, was it last conference that president Nelson said the book of Mormon is not historical. And this year they were freaking quoting it. Like it was the doc, you know, declaration of independence, you know, and they're telling story, you know, we all have trials like Zoram. Zoram had trials. Yeah, like, it went back to the old. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. all oh, which, all yeah, historical. reminds me uh, also in safeguarding. Do not kidnap people. Yeah, <laughs> like like Ishmael don't, Nephi. Don't kidnap that poor guy. You oh, know, they had at the threat of his life. Yeah. Oh, Gary Stevenson. I wrote down there was a graphic that they showed of yeah, Third Nephi, because you know you. This yeah. is where you find out about Jesus' resurrection. Best yeah. places in Third Nephi. Yeah. So the the picture they showed is the one you know in Mesoamerica with the Central America temples, and I thought, heartland theorists, you don't have a place in General Conference yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, We're my first thought was, you know, who else had trials? Cinderella. She had a tough <laughs> life. And if we're going to tell stories of fake people that didn't really exist. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. I mean, dang, that girl, you know, she had birds making her clothes. I mean, that's tough. So anyway, but that's, I'm sorry. I'm so cynical, but it's just, it's, you know, you got to get through life with a little, little, little <clears throat> laughter. Right. Well, yeah. any of you have any closing thoughts that you would like to um, share with us as we close? I thought it was funny that Nelson actually in, in his list of people not to listen to, you know, he said there's venomous contention, polarization. He mentioned influencers. I know. Oh, yeah. 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 And then if you <laughs> listen to the. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Poor. Yeah. That's the, and I, but I really love, I was listening to, um, I believe it was Mormon land. You mentioned it, Martine. I was listening to Mormon land where they interviewed the two missionaries that came home early from their missions. And the one missionary, his entire mission was they had to do so many hours of Facebook, uh, and they would contact people through social media and then they would, uh, they would make up little skits. And, and this one guy was like, he had the most hits of all the missionaries on Facebook or whatever. And I thought, Okay, are we on social media or are we not on social media? Let's make up our minds. Well, we can only be on Facebook, but the grandson of one of our, our very best friends here, I think he's been home two years now, but he's very talented, uh, just a very talented musician. And he served a stateside mission, but his assignment with another missionary was to create high quality content and I mean, really high quality. The church uh, bought a bunch of tech equipment so they could produce professional looking videos and all of that in, on his mission. And they were doing really well, but it was all to reach out to people over social media. And uh, unfortunately, at some point, they were doing so well that church headquarters said, oh, we can do that. So they took it away from him and his companion. That's and what they always do. do it. But yeah, it was it was his calling. And he did. He did amazing videos. You know, he's an amazing pianist. Um, I don't want to say too much, but yeah, 
you know, he was he was over on the West Coast, and I mean, the sets, you know, the, the grand piano on the coast. With it. Oh. I mean, money was no object. Right. And that, do you remember the old days on the church website where they had, um, what was it called, where you could look, you could look up, you know, members in your ward and all that kind of stuff. And then they decided they were going to pull it back and take it away from the people that were doing it because they weren't LDS. So they took it back and now it's a mess. It's that, that happens all the time. I forget what it was yeah. called. So Jane, just in closing, when they were, when President Nelson was reading off the new temples that were going to be built, were, built, were you like, <laughs> Scotland, 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 just give us one and nope. We're going to put, you know. <sighs> Well, What's your you closest see, temple? Uh, it is Preston, England. So it is another country and it is wow. four hours away. Okay. So yeah, quite a while. Now, but I am... Um... <laughs> <laughs> <In Los Angeles. laughs> yeah, exactly. It might be genuinely would probably be cheaper for me to fly to Hamburg um, and I would be there faster <laughs> than, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I am in the central sort of belt of Scotland. And if you're any further up than, than this, I mean, the, the sort of furthest Latter-day Saints up there, we're talking about like an eight-hour eight -hour trip. People from Ireland are having to ferry over and it's, you know, overnight mm -hmm. trips. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I used to joke that, you know, you're, ancestors are just gonna go full-on poltergeist if you don't hurry up um because you especially because you love to you know the 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 leaders during conference just love to bring up their ancestry oh, yeah. and mm -hmm. um you don't get to do that and then forget you know that the, there are needs that are not being met but i kind of i kind of think at this point i've um I've given up. I think they're toying with me. I think it's I think it's personal now that they're just like, okay, how close could we get to Jane just to, you know, yeah. we were going to put a temple in Edinburgh, but that Jane Christine, absolutely not. That's not happening. Yeah. That is exactly what I think. So yeah. um we've been told that we are going to get one in the very near future, so that it will be within um we have just the best state president um oh. within his his term when within his leadership so it, okay. it wouldn't be too long but maybe october see um, i <laughs> i mean i it could be it could everyone yeah. is literally sitting with bated breath with you know this uh, these moments yeah. and we have been for many many years um i I handed back my temple recommend um, uh, in, in protest a while back. So it will be bittersweet when it happened, yeah. when it happens. But um, yeah, it's no, they, it, yeah. I am, I am, I know I'm trying to be gracious. No, I'm furious. <laughs> Try not to be. Well, especially when the other guy, I forget who the other guy was that said 85% of the members of the church came from the United Kingdom in back in 1860 something i forget who it was that gave the statistics and i thought 85 percent came from yes yes yeah. and it's I, actually, in, the, in the uk you know there you go forget it. so you've got 85 percent heritage mm -hmm. from that part of the country and you have no temple but yes. we are going to put one in san jose california mm -hmm. because yeah. we just don't have enough in california you and know, heaven forbid, you know, that you have to drive 15 minutes. So they announced a second temple in Virginia. 
the Richmond Temple is having open house right now. Mm. So that temple, you know, will be dedicated the next few weeks. This temple is in Virginia, is in like a northwest corner of Virginia. I talked to somebody who lives there last night. It is 80 miles from the Washington, D.C. temple. Oh, my gosh. The membership is not that huge. But what, what I was thinking yesterday is it's been bothering me anyway. It bothers everybody how many temples, you know, they're building. Because each time you build one, you re reduce the pool of members who can work in that temple. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, you're looking at, at Salt Lake Valley and what, four or five temples, whatever we have now. You have thousands of members you can call on to be temple workers, to go clean the temple. But when you have those small temple districts and, the, and you keep making them smaller because you keep building more temples, those people still have callings. They still yeah. have families. They still have jobs. They still have to drive to church most of the time, long distances. Yeah, yeah. And then you've added now you know, another guilt trip because, oh, but we gave you a temple and yeah. it's not being used. Baton Rouge, so we lived in Baton Rouge for 18 years, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We have we have a bunch of friends who are temple workers there. And I know one, one of my very good friends has, has told me that they were constantly told this temple is the least used of all the temples, maybe all the all of the 2000 temples or something like that, that generation. But she said we were constantly guilted that, you know, it was it was underused. Yeah. I wonder if that's why they're asking the older people to do two missions now, because mm. they're building temples and they can't get people to serve. Yeah. So yeah. that would be part of it. Interesting. Oh, so anyway. Well, Can you I guys. Yes. yes, please. And I want to ask all of you this question, because this has been bothering me and I can't, I'm hoping that you can answer it for me. Okay, we get these guys speaking in, in, in conference and they're talking about Lamanites and they're talking about Nephi and they're talking about, you know, things that right in the gospel topics essays have been pretty much, you know, explained. There is no DNA over here from Israel or Jerusalem. So the Lehi migration is is not true i mean we have no foundation for that they do they know about you know they talk about joseph smith and and the book of mormon as if it is uh, historical it's as if we've gone back 20 30 years mm -hmm. yeah. and we're talking like we used to talk at general yeah, conference yeah, yeah. it they was, not know? It was have they not read their own gospel topics essays or <laughs> we don't know. And so they- Maybe we could send it to them. Yeah. So we're gonna talk about the old stuff that we used to talk about. Like all of this stuff has been explained even though very whitewashed in the topics essays. So why are they acting like none of that exists? I don't get it. Yeah, yeah. Do they not know? I don't, I don't think, understand. I think I think it's the deep down they don't really believe it. <laughs> I do. I do. I think it's they don't the, believe it's, what the the doctrine or the, the gospel topics says. 
were there um yeah the, the gospel topics essay i think it's you know that that's the academic stuff but you know we we can choose to have faith in whatever the hell we like can't we i i, I don't i think you know nelson has been on record as talking about he's he's sort of anti-evolution and you know you're a man of science you've you've been you've yeah. experienced those like, classes right so how yeah. you can you know re reject something that, and I think probably something similar happens with the gospel topic essays this is the, the gospel topic essays would then become oh this is for the people if you if it would cause you to lose your testimony in the book of mormon here's something that you could hold on to you don't have to believe in it this way so I I think that's possibly them nuancing mm -hmm. it maybe okay I okay like as if they've never yeah yeah was Martina. it mostly the some of the 70s because you you mentioned that in the text yesterday while you were watching no i didn't pay attention to who whether it was an apostle or know. not yeah i don't know so i think it's still true that some of the 70s just don't bother they don't know they don't know mm -hmm. yeah the, because it's right there on the like yeah it's right yeah. there I'm so confused by this. Yeah. It's like they're ignoring that it even exists. And maybe Jane, it's because they just, those are for the people who doubt. Yeah. Gospel topic essays are for the doubters. We're going to keep with this, you know, fake religion. <laughs> We're going to just keep spouting that fake religion for all the people who don't know about any of the problems. Mm -hmm. We're just going to keep going with that as long yeah. as we can until they all say, uh-uh we've read the we know i don't i don't know to me, it's faith. Weird. you know these uh, magical stories build faith mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. we are the crazy conspiracy theorists who think that the book of mormon didn't really happen <laughs> and, yeah. and there the you go. Okay. and this is something that i i don't know um it's like santa claus we all know why would I know we still tell stories about Santa Claus, but we also all know that Santa Claus isn't real, right? And it's um, what's kind of wait, I, I don't believe Brother Haney knows that because oh. when he was seven years old, That's he got right. a testimony that the, David O. McKay was the prophet and he knew he was the prophet. And then he went and visited Santa at the mall and he knew that he was also the guy that brought your gifts. So at seven years old, so maybe we don't, we may not know that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. <laughs> But right. yeah, some of us still believe. I don't know. I just find it very interesting that there's they've got a foot in both camps. You have to. They have to, because like I said, if if they're going to not be Protestant, if this is not a Protestant or a Methodist religion, it is hanging on the Book of Mormon. You have to have the Book of Mormon, and if you, they cannot let that go, or the entire. The entire church it falls down. Falls down. So they can't let, but let it. We already know that the Book of Mormon is not literal. Yeah. They've already said that the Lamanites, you know, are among, like they, they've dialed it way down. They don't yeah. talk about the Lamanite generation has been disbanded. They don't talk about that anymore because we don't know who they are or where yeah. they are, if they yeah. even exist. Yeah, yeah, so it's just strange to me that they continue to talk about Lehi and Nephi and all of the old prophets and every, you know, Zoram. Like they're real. Yeah. All that, like yeah. they're real. Mm -hmm. Strange mm -hmm. to me. But 
I know. Jane, I, know. I don't know what your, where, where your beliefs are, because I know you're still active. How do you feel? And I, we don't have to talk. This could be another podcast. Okay. <laughs> but how do you feel about the Book of Mormon? No judgment here. I'm just curious where you're at. Oh, you see, I love this because no one ever, ever asks me or sort of drills down into anything. Um, you know, people are just always just so. I'm a um, total drill. I will drill. Oh, no. I love it. Um, yeah, no. Oh, it's it's crazy. It's it's best up, and I see. I feel like there's a lot of value in it, but I have, um, and I know I'm sounding like I'm being really sarcastic, but I genuinely mean I have. Um, as many sacred experiences with uh, the sacred text of Wonder Woman that as I do with the Book of Mormon. Um, the Pearl of Great Price, I adore it because I think there's so much great content in it. But um, as for hanging my whole, um, no, not not literal, no no geography, but I, I see valuable things in it. I also see extremely harmful things in it too. So yeah. Mm -hmm. The racism. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. which they which you could say about the Bible too. Like I heard someone say because there's such an uproar mm. about the banning of books, and someone was trying to ban the Bible because it has incest and murder and so much violence. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. that kind of stuff. So you can say which I find thing. more valuable in the Book of Mormon though, because I think there's there's a you know a, a lot more richness, and the I think if we placed more value in the Bible as Latter-day Saints, then we may be able to live with nuance. If we could accept messy prophets who do things wrong and repent and God is working with them, that's that's where I see I see the beauty. And the the fact that my um my relationship with the Book of Mormon as a messy one is probably quite reflective of where all of my faith is, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. I love mm -hmm. living in the question and the um, I, I could I could sit in the fence and in this messiness forever, um, mm -hmm. except apparently, increasingly, I, I am having to sort of make decisions more than I ever have had to before. Right. Like, like not sustaining. Yeah. Like not sustaining. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's been an interesting weekend. The weather was gorgeous here in Arizona. And fortunately, you know, we have these amazing little tools that I could listen to conference while hiking and mm -hmm. and doing other things. And and I love but I just I said to my husband, I said, here's the problem I have. He had he went over and helped the family move on Saturday morning. Mm -hmm. And I was watching conference, which I thought that's ironic. Um, you know, I'm not a member and you are so, but I thought, you know, I look at the Muslims and how they, how they, uh, or Islams and how they celebrate like Ramadan and, and, um, is that the Muslim or is that the, I can't remember anyway. And how, you know, you've got these football players, kids that are fasting, even though they're doing daily doubles in football, because that's their religion. And yet here is the most sacred weekend in the Mormon church. And he's helping a family move instead of watching conference. And, you know, we're, you know, we're going out for dinner instead of watching afternoon conference because we can record it. We can record it and watch it whenever we want to. Wouldn't you think if we were, if we honestly thought that we were going to listen to God speak through his prophets, that would become a priority and that there would be no watching it, recording it. There would be no, no, I have to hear it in real life because what if the prophet has something to say at one o'clock on Saturday afternoon that's going to affect the rest of my life? 
And, but we don't, we just brush it off as, Oh, I have soccer practice to go. I'm going to go shopping. I've got, you know, it, celebration with families and things like that. Cause I can record it and watch it all next week. Mm-hmm. If I have to, that's how seriously we take our religion. And I just think that's so ironic, but um, regardless, I'm glad that we were able to do that so that I was able to do whatever I wanted to on Saturday and Sunday. But anyway, so, well, ladies, once again, look, we almost did it. We almost did a John Delin. We definitely did a bill real in RFM. We're two hours in. We are good. We are good guys. We got it. People are saying there's not enough female voices Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right here, right here. We can do four hours too. Renee. I'm going yes. to send you an article from the church news from two weeks ago. Okay. It is worth a podcast. Ah, I would love that. That's great. I don't think we get the church news. Why doesn't my TBM husband get the church news? Oh, well, okay. anyway, thank you. The article. We'll do it. It's a total 180 from what we were taught. Yes. I love it. Yes. Everything is, is a 180. I, I love, I love that too. Cause I thought, you know, speaking of the uh, uh, strength, strengthening the youth thing, my husband said to me, cause when my brother was here visiting and my brother and I went and got a new tattoo and he said to me, when did you start wanting to get a tattoo? And I said, actually, I wanted to get one in the eighties when they first kind of started getting popular but I didn't know what I wanted. I just couldn't decide what I wanted. And then Darn Hinckley threw a you know a wrench in that plan, came yeah. out and said, absolutely not, no tattoos. Nor made it worse. Oh, Dang no, it. There was the ear- earrings. Yeah. And I just thought, oh, if I could have just gotten it last year, then there's be nothing you could do about it. So then, you know, when we we moved to Arizona and I was no longer, you know, a grandma in view, I was out of sight grandma. I didn't have to set the example anymore. So I got my first tattoo. And you know what they say about tattoos, they're very addictive. And you you get your first one and you always go, that's it. I'm just, I just needed this little, you know, stamp here on my wrist and I'm good with that. And then you're like, maybe I could put something, you know, so they are slightly addictive, but um, anyway, so <laughs> this is my poor husband. In fact, I told him he got a little frightened. I said, I think I'm going to go to church with you next week. Uh-huh. He goes, why? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, cause it's Easter. And I just thought I'd go. And I said, and besides, I like to go to church every once in a while with you just to go. He's still married ladies. He's still, and we're not doing polygamy. So back off. But if anyone wants to bring a casserole or a cake, I am good with that. So I just, I just oh, love it. Them, so, yes. So, oh, it sounds like Martine has a plan for us. Uh, we might be getting together again soon. So let's let that plan play out. I have loved this. Thank you yeah. so much. This has been such a fun conversation. It really has. And I, I love the, I love the, um, the just the power. I just love the power. Mm. And I, I think we might all be having to get some gold uh, wristbands, right, Jane? Oh. <laughs> or at least a red and blue costume. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I, I'm glad we didn't try to go talk by talk because that would have been too difficult. But oh, yeah. Themes uh, was is a good way. Yeah. To it. yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, Jane, you go get ready for bed and Lila and Martine and I are going to get ready for the rest of the day. So uh, thank right. you so much for joining and we will be back. Okay. I will promise you all that. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. 
Oh my gosh, is that not amazing? And I love what um, Jane was saying, how it was so important to hear a female voice and a female feeling for how we accepted and heard conference. It was absolutely beautiful. Can I remind all of you to like and subscribe to She Became Visible? And please, if you wish, would you donate to the Mormon Discussions? You can do that on mormondiscussions.org. Um, and if you type in She Became Visible, you uh, shebecamevisible.org, you will go right to my Facebook page. And there is a, a, a place there where you can donate. And uh, Bill Real is the... Um, he is our, our supervisor of this beautiful umbrella that he has created. And um, the amount of work that he has to put into definitely needs to be um, acknowledged. And this is what your donations do. And I'm so proud to be a part of Mormon Discussions and to be under Bill Reel's umbrella. So if you feel entitled and would love to you know, donate to a podcast and you see valuable information coming, I really encourage you to do that. So have a great day. It sounds as if the four of us will be getting together again. Uh, I'm anxious to read the article that Martine is going to send. So thank you so much for joining me on She Became Visible. Stand up, show the world who you are, become visible and tell your story. Have a great day. Bye-bye.